are, we are gathered here today in church, and it's probably the safest time of the year because everybody who is getting COVID has gotten it and gotten the antibodies. And I'm going to step out on a limb and say that we're kind of getting over this whole thing. This is the endemic. And so I've, I've always, you know, before, the co- before COVID hit, I, I said, we got to cancel service. COVID's coming. Everyone said, you're overreacting. It's not going to happen. And it happened. And then last couple weeks ago, we, I said, you know, I think this thing is going to ramp up, but we need to cancel service because everybody's going to spread it during their Christmas parties. And, uh, and it happened. And uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that it's over. And, um, and in the next couple months, you're not going to, it's, it's kind of going to fizzle out and it's not going to be the big deal that it is right now. How many believe that? I mean, you don't have to believe that if you don't want to. I, 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 I'm just going out on a limb and saying that I, I feel that that's the issue. That's what's going to happen. And um, I was talking to Gary. This is on a different note, but Gary's the guy that goes to Afghanistan and, and whatnot. And he said that when he was in uh, Afghanistan, right after the Taliban came in and, and just destroyed this village, and uh, they're against women um, getting educated and against Christians and against kids going to school and, and, and learning, um, and there was a whole village that their wa- the women saw their husbands taken out and executed. And uh, they were getting bombed and all kinds of stuff. And he said that he never saw such courage and such simplicity of life than in, in this village. And he said these kids would walk to school every day with a constant threat of like a mortar or a bomb going off. And they had no fear. And they were playing in the streets, laughing and walking to school. And women that would share their faith, even in uh, the threat of losing their lives. And he said that he never saw such courage and such simplicity of faith that he's seen in Afghanistan. And it's made him want to go back every single year whenever he could. And I started thinking about that. And I was thinking about, like, when I went to Israel. And when we went to Israel, there was a car bombing that happened. And we, we actually saw the the car on fire. Uh, there was a woman that got stabbed while we were walking through Jerusalem uh, in the city. And it happened like, I don't know, a couple of hours before we walked through the city. And, and there was a, 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 a pa- Palestinian that got shot because he was running down these stairs to stab the Israeli guards who had guns. He came down at them with a machete and he got shot and killed and the blood was still on the stairs. And, but everybody was so calm in Israel. And this was during Ramadan. And, uh, and I, I, I just was astonished at how peaceful everybody was. And it was because it was a way of life for them already. They had accepted the risk and they just went about their lives because they were encountered with the threat of losing their lives and the danger every single day. And they acclimated to it and they weren't afraid. And I looked at our society, like our culture, who is so, so fearful and so focused on the safety of everything. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and we would sit in the back seat of our station wagon, no seat belts, no nothing, sit in the back of a truck. You know, like there's, there's, there is none of this like risk averse mentality that we have today. And and my thought goes to, um, I, I'm kind of going off. I didn't share this in the first service. Uh, but 
everybody who's online, you get the bonus sermon. But um, I was at my mom's house, and my mom, she checks her blood sugar, and she has this thing that she puts on her finger, and she presses a button, and it sticks a needle in your finger, and then you, then all the blood comes out, and then you got to stick it on this machine and see, like, the level of your blood sugar. How many of you like needles? <laughs> Mary. Uh, I hate needles. And, uh, and just the thought of a needle going into the tip of my finger makes my skin crawl. And, and so my mom, she was saying, I want to know your blood sugar. The reason why you're sneezing so much and the reason why you're snorting so much when you preach and everything is because you have problems with sugar. And she, so she pulls out her thing and she, she says, let me just poke your finger with this, um, with this thing. And I'm like, that is not coming near my finger. And then my mom, she, she's looking at my brother and, and all the kids, and she goes, hold them. And they all just tackle me, and I'm fighting my whole family. My wife is on top of me. My brother's on top of me. All of my kids are on top of me, and they're grabbing my finger and, and, and holding my finger out. And I see my mom coming with this thing to, to stab my finger. I'm like, what the heck? I still have carpet burn on my elbow. You see that carpet burn? That's the abuse from my family. Anyway, I legit was pretty freaked out. I didn't want to get my finger stabbed. And then uh, later on, I just said, all right, just go ahead. And then when she stabbed my finger, I didn't even feel it. And I was like, I was scared about that. Anyway, um, the moral of the story is that we're so fearful of this disease. And yes, the disease, it is dangerous, and there are things that happen, but God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Amen? And I feel this huge spike that we're having in cases, and people, you know, we're seeing that it's not as, as devastating as the previous variants. And I believe God is allowing this to happen so everybody knows somebody who's had it or either got it themselves. And the fear is really the pandemic. The real pandemic is the fear of this thing. It's not so much this thing itself. And I, I, I believe that because people are experiencing it and know people that are experiencing it and will get over it, that the fear is going to come down by magnitudes. And with the fear coming down, so will... Uh, the abnormal life that we've been living in. I, I feel like we're kind of at the end of this. How many would say amen to that? Amen, amen. amen. Um, we're in this series called Abide, and the whole focus is we're going to be fasting. How many of you like fasting? How many of you like fasting food? Not fast food, but fasting food. How many of you enjoy denying yours? There, there is something that happens both physically and spiritually when you don't eat more than just getting irritated with people more easily. Um, when you get sick, a lot of times people lose their appetite, and it's the body's response to shut the digestive system down so that the nutrients and the energy can go to other parts of the body and it can heal quicker. And there's something about shutting your digestive system down, voluntarily fasting, that allows your spiritual senses to be heightened and you to be able to dial into what God wants to, to, to share with you. And so um, every nation, churches all across the world for this next week are going to be uh, joining together in a time of fasting and prayer from Monday to Sunday. And so 
we would want to invite you to do that. There's going to be prayer in the morning and at evening at 7.15, um, and you can get the link for that in your, um, in your email. Uh, but w- what we're going to focus on today is the life-giving word. Everyone say the life-giving word. That when you read scripture and when you hear the voice of God, there's something in that that brings life to you. And the picture that I had in the first service was that we have gone through this season. My, my daughter, she's in, um, she's in uh, Spokane. And just a couple of months ago, they were going through fall. And so outside of her window, there was this tree that turned this beautiful, it was all orange, the leaves turned all orange. And when the sun shined through the, the, the tree, it lighted up her whole uh, dorm room, kind of like this amber color. And it looked so nice, like just the, just the color of the room looked so nice. And then it lasted for maybe two weeks. And then she was FaceTiming me and I looked outside the window and that tree was completely bare. There was no leaves on it. It was just all, all gone. And there's snow outside, and the tree that was so beautiful had now, it's didn't have any leaves on it. And I kind of feel like, as a culture, we have become that tree. This season in the past couple of years has kind of shaken us and uh, tested the character of the our, our culture and us and our families. And it's kind of like this tree that's been shaken, and we've experienced this winter. How many can relate to that, that you feel like you're kind of a tree that's, you don't have any leaves on it after these couple of years? And I think that that's safe. I mean, I'm looking around here, and before the pandemic, we had, you know, a lot more people, and we're kind of like that tree with a couple of leaves on it. Tell, tell your neighbor, like, don't leave me. <laughs> um, but, but God has a plan. And winter never lasts forever, and after winter, there's spring. And I feel like we're at that point that spring is here. And human nature never looks ahead. It always just focuses on what's in front of it. And I want to invite you to ignore what's in front of you. Ignore the current situation and look to the future of what God is doing. Because winter is past and spring is coming. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, spring is coming. Spring is coming. Um, spring is here. I'll just say spring is here. Um, so life-giving word. We're going to talk about three points this morning. One, hearing God's voice gives life. Everyone say that. Hearing God's voice gives life. How many need life in areas of, of your life right now? That you need the life of God and you need his power in your life. So hearing God's voice gives life. That's why we're fasting and praying. Number two, the dead can hear God's voice. Everyone say that. The dead can hear God's voice. And then number three, resurrection leads to life and judgment. The resurrection leads to life and judgment. So let's read the first scripture, John 5, 24, at the count of three. One, two, three. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for what you've done in our lives in the past uh, few years, and that there has been this season that we've experienced where there has been loss. There's been uh, loss of jobs. There's been loss of life. There's been loss of freedoms. There's been 
so many things that we've experienced, loss of peace, uh, but God, you are a God of resurrection. And even in situations where we look in our lives and we see what seems to be barren and what seems to be a wasteland, God, you can make those things flourish. And so, God, we thank you that you are the God of life, that you are the God of resurrection power. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to bring beauty from the ashes of what we've just gone through. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us people of faith to see not just with our physical eyes, but to see in the spirit. And we thank you that you're doing something good, that there is an awakening that's coming coming to our land and in our lives. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Everyone said, amen. Um, Number one, hearing God's voice gives life. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. John 5, 21. In the beginning was a word, the word was with God, and the word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so God describes himself as the word, and he also describes himself as light. And as we hear the word of God, as we hear his voice, as we hear the spoken word, the rhema word, the written word of God, there's a power of life that is given to us. Um, So there's three different ways that we hear God's voice. Number one is the written word, the written word of God. And that's why we like to do soaps. In the beginning of the year, we always have a soap campaign. And I like to say that, you know, as, as much as your physical body needs soap to be clean, that your spiritual body needs soap to be clean. And the amount of days that you don't do your soaps, that's the amount of days that you start smelling like my sister, Sharina. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I just had to say that to wake you guys up. Um, but doing your soaps helps to, helps to wash you spiritually. Um, I remember God speaking certain things through his word in the past couple of years that were very specific. And I'll just share this with you. One of the things that were very challenging for me in the past two years, I felt that, and I've only shared this with a couple of people, but I felt that God wanted me to take myself off of church payroll and to donate my pay to the church and to, uh, to be able to serve in a voluntary way. And I didn't know how that would happen. Um, and this year will be the first year that I'm going to do that because God has you know, opened up different things in my life where I'm able to do that. And, and that was spoken, the spoken word of God. It was a seed that gave a vision and gave life to a dream uh, that I wouldn't have picked up in any other way. But that light, that the word of God brings life into different areas, gives life to vision, gives life to dreams. Um, rhema word, the rhema word of God is that still small voice that you hear. And the, the best thing that, uh, one of the, the cool things that we, we've seen God do in that rhema voice is through our staff and through, through uh, the council and talking to people and praying through things, uh, we started ordering these nutraceutical packs before this spike. And it's just the grace of God that we got a hundred of these nutraceutical packs that cost a significant amount of money but we felt God wanted us to give it to our community when there was no demand for it. Like nobody cared about it because nobody was getting COVID. 
and we spent over $10,000 on these nutraceutical packs to give to our congregation and for our congregation to be able to give it to others when there was no need for it. I think when we first talked about it, there's probably like a handful of people that signed up for it. And it's like Noah building the ark. God told him to build this ark when there was no rain. And, and, but we felt God say that. It was through the rhema word of God. And as we, you know, ordered these things and put tracks in them that shared the gospel and, and uh, the, the number for Dr. Kurt and, and uh, brought him in to kind of educate a portion of our church, it, it was only three weeks after that that we've seen this huge spike going from 130 cases per day to over 700, close to 800 cases per day. And every single one of those 100 uh, packs are out just in a couple of weeks. And how, how could anybody know that that was going to happen? That was the rhema word of God. And the rhema word of God brings life. Amen? And then the last way that we hear the word of God is the spoken word of God. Everyone say spoken. So the spoken word of God, it happens through people in your life who know the Lord. And even people that might not know the Lord, God can speak through even a donkey, right? If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through your employer that you don't really like or people around you. And you just have to have an ear to hear what God is saying. And if you have an expectation that God can speak to you through the people around you, then he will. And so... That's why small groups are so important. That's why, that's why building bridges with people around you who know the Lord is so important because God will speak through them to your life. How many of you have had the experience where you're speaking to somebody and they're sharing a problem and, uh, and they're, they're telling you this problem and then just wisdom kind of starts flowing out of your mouth and you're like telling them the answer to their problem and you're like, wow, this is good stuff. Like, I'm telling them really good stuff right now. How many of you have ever experienced that? And, and that's the Spirit of God working through you because the person in front of you is actually pulling that from you. A lot of times it's not your wisdom, but it's because the person's expectation is pulling an anointing from your life of wisdom because they expect to hear God or get a solution through your life. How many of you have experienced the opposite of that, where you have the answer to somebody's problem, they're sharing their problem with you, and you try to, to share with them, and there's just a big block, and you know that when you speak it, it's not, not going anywhere. How many of you have ever experienced that? And, and it's because there's no receptivity to the Word of God, and, and it can't penetrate their heart in their life. The, the power of the Word of God is dependent on the person that wants to hear it. And so for me, when I started realizing that, you know, like, and, and I would talk to one person and God would just flow through me and I'd talk to somebody else and just nothing would come out. Most of the time, it, I'm not going to say who. <laughs> I'll just tell you. Most of the time it's my kids because they don't expect any wisdom to come from me. So it's almost like I need Pastor Zach to talk to my kids because my kids have no respect for any kind of wisdom that I have. Is that, is that right? Anyway, um, sometimes that's how I feel. Parents, can you relate with me? <laughs> so we should team up. I'll talk to your kids and you talk to mine and we'll get through this. Um, where did I go? I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when, I, when I saw that, that 
God would sometimes speak through my life and other times he wouldn't, I realized that the variable wasn't me, the variable is the person, right? And so if the variable is the person, then I know that for me to hear God is not dependent on the person talking to me. The variable is me. And I want to be a person that's constantly open to hearing the voice of God through anyone. Uh, it's so interesting. Sometimes, like, I'll be, you know, like, in my own head and, you know, maybe in a bad place. And then I hear my son, Asen, and then he'll say something. And he'll say it jokingly, but it's exactly what I need to hear. And I know God is speaking to me. And Asen doesn't even know that he's telling me something that I need to hear. And it's almost like I want to tell him, shut up. But at the same time, I know I need to hear it. And I receive it as something that God is, is speaking through him. Um, don't ever tell him that, that God speaks through him because he'll take advantage of it. But um, God does speak through everyone and anyone according to our expectations. So those three ways, again, is through the written word, through the rhema word, and through the spoken word. And, and God wants to, to talk to us and give life to us through all of those things. Number two, the dead can hear the voice of God. Everyone say that. The dead can hear God's voice. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Let's read that again and, and, and focus on the words of that scripture and what that scripture is saying. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming. And think in your mind, how can the dead hear? Can dead hear? The dead can't hear anything. The only thing the dead can hear is the voice of God. The voice of God can be heard by the dead. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Um, God desires to speak into a dark world and to the dead areas of people's lives. Um, you know, I, I told the story of the lady in the hospital that, you know, God was just like working me over to talk to her about about him. And, and then when I did open my mouth, it was God who spoke into her life and brought life into the area that was dying. And, um, and I know there's that God has done that in so many of your lives in just, you know, the past couple months. Um, I know that, that, you know, Danielle has talked to uh, significant people in our community because God has put his word in her mouth, and that God has brought life into areas of darkness. I know that Leigh and Mike has done the same thing. Um, I'm just going to squeal on Matt, but Matt was, uh, he's in our small group, and he was sharing about, can I share about, okay, yeah, no, yeah, okay, that, that he, he, he's not super comfortable praying for people, but God put it on his heart to pray for uh this person in his life that was going through cancer. And he was like fighting with God and, and, and wrestling and saying, ah, I don't want to do that. And then he said, you know what? If I don't do it, then I'm not going to 
go to sleep well this evening, so I'm just going to do it. So he, at the end of the conversation, he said, hey, can I pray for you? And she was like, yeah, please pray for me. So he prayed for her, and he said that when he prayed for her, he could feel God going through him, and that there was like this heat that was that he felt in his body, and then he was praying for her, and he just had this faith that God was going to do something. And he said the very, was it the next day that she called? That she called him the next day, and she was in the, the backlog of uh, people that, uh, so she couldn't see a doctor because of the backlog for, I don't know, a couple months or something. And then the, the next day she called and said, hey, a miracle happened, and they're going to see me right away. And so she got to see a doctor, like, what, that week or something? Yeah, got to see the doctor that week right after he prayed. And so the spoken word, the, the dead can hear the voice of God. And God wants to use us to speak life into areas where people are experiencing death. And that's such a powerful ministry that we have that God has given to every single one of us that, that he can put his word in our mouth. And through speaking something, there's a creative power that brings life into areas that are dead. Amen? So the dead can hear the, God's voice. But it's not just, I mean, sometimes we stop short at what the power of God does. And we think that the power of God is just for making our lives better. But that's not what God promises. Those are all foretastes and foreshadows of the ultimate plan of God, which is to create a new heaven, a new earth, and that we would have new bodies resurrected bodies with him. And so every miracle that we experience in life is not to make this life better, although, you know, it does. But it's a, it's a glimpse into the kingdom of God that will one day come to earth. And that's what the early believers believed in. They were people of the resurrection, not people of your best life now. And the early church saw Jesus, they saw what he preached about the kingdom of God, they saw him get crucified for his message, and they saw him rise from the dead, and they saw him ascend to heaven, and as he's ascending to heaven and he's talking to people, he's saying, the kingdom that I come from is not of this world, and everyone who believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. Now imagine you're one of the believers in that time, and you hear Jesus say that right after he ascends to heaven. How would that make you feel? You saw this guy die on a cross. You saw him go into a tomb. He was there for three days. He comes back to life, and then now he's telling everybody, you're going to come back to life too. You just got to believe in me. And then he goes to heaven. What's your thought? Your thought is, I'm going to follow this guy, and then when the Romans kill me, I'm going to die for three days and then I'm going to resurrect the same way that Jesus did, right? How many of you would think that? That's a logical thing to think. The early church, that's what they believed. They didn't believe in your best life now. And so they declared Jesus is the Lord, not Caesar. And they got fed to lions, and they got crucified upside down, and they got beat to a pulp and murdered. And in that, the context of that, their hope was not that their pain would go away. Their hope wasn't a perfect life. Their hope was that when they got crucified and when they died and when they got fed to the lions, that a resurrection would happen the same way that it happened to Jesus and a new kingdom would return and be established on earth. That was their hope. Did that happen? 
Years went on, and kids saw their parents get killed, and their parents never got resurrected from the dead. Decades would go by, and nobody would come back from the dead. Nobody would rise from the graves. Nobody would come out of the graves like how Jesus did. And so they started doubting and saying, this isn't going to happen. And Paul wrote a whole book, Thessalonians, talking about there is a resurrection coming. That is your hope. That is what Jesus promised, and it, it's, it's going to happen sooner now than before because we're closer to that time. How many of you believe that that's the hope? That's, that's what we believe in as Christians. The resurrection leads to life and judgment. Let's read this scripture together. One, two, three. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all, everyone say all, Everyone say that again. All who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now imagine that. This is a scripture. Jesus said this himself. He's saying there's coming a day when all, every single soul from the beginning of time, from Adam... They're all in the grave, every single one of them, till our generation today. Every single person who's in the grave, all, will be resurrected at the sound of his voice. That's the power that we're talking about. His voice gives life. Like, I've given examples of how his voice gives life on a small scale. But this is like the whole enchilada. This is... When he speaks at the end, all people who have ever existed from the beginning of time till now, till his return, when he speaks, they're going to all rise from the grave. Those who have done good to eternal life and those have, who have done evil to the judgment. And we're getting closer and closer to that day. That's what the early church believed and that's the hope that we have as well that the power of his voice brings life. And we believe that when we rise, that we will be a part of the group that meets him in the air and that receives eternal life. Amen? So as much as we want things to work out perfectly in this life, and we believe God for that, our job is not to question God when things go wrong and don't go our way. Our job is to trust, trust God because we have an example. And that example is Jesus. Adam was the first human being that God made, and he made a perfect environment around Adam. He had a perfect wife made from the dust of the ground, designed especially for him. All the fruits and animals and vegetables and whatever he wanted. And in that perfect environment, he chose to doubt the intentions of God, the good intentions of God for his life. When the enemy came and said, do you think that God wants the best for you? He just doesn't, he doesn't want you to be like him. And Adam doubted God. And then you go to Jesus. And Jesus came to earth and he was he was born to a teenage mom. He was called a bastard all his life. He was, he was tortured and crucified for something 
that he didn't do. He was the perfect son, but instead of experiencing the justice of a perfect son, he was punished for all of our sins. And as he's hanging on the cross, he says, Father, into your hands, I commit, your, commit my spirit. Jesus had total trust in God, even in the worst circumstance and situation of his life. And that's the model that we have to follow. How many of you would want to love like Jesus and live like Jesus and trust like Jesus? And, and that's the model that we have to follow, that even in our pain, even in our suffering, even in the things that we don't understand, we have a God who loves us and promises us not the perfect life. There are glimpses of that through miracles and answered prayer, but he promises us resurrection life, living with him as king, establishing his kingdom on earth forever and ever and ever. And how many can be excited and trust God for that? Amen? Amen? Yeah, I'm excited about that. All right. Um, I'm going to call Kamale up, and she's going to share some annou- announcements, and then we'll close. Hi, 